All right, so two very useless pieces of information I wanted to tell you about. Uh, take some time. Just, you know, take some time this weekend and uh, look up when original credit reports came about. Should be about the 1840s. Read about it. Interesting read for a short 30 seconds of your life. Very interesting. Um, okay, so for those of you that don't know, let's think back to like the mid-1950s. I can't remember the exact year. Um, there was this gentleman named by the, by the name of Bill Fair and Earl Isaac. Uh, they both decided to team up and create a company, Fair, Isaac, company. And that is a nice abbreviation for the word FICO. Uh, dumb tidbit of information, but now you know where that comes from. You'll hear Fair, Isaac, company, uh, Bill Fair, Earl Isaac. They're the ones that, uh, originally kind of started the credit report situation. I had somebody talk to me this week about the reason why we have credit reports was because the Federal Reserve got involved. Just still trying to find an article that ties that together. Didn't spend a lot of time looking for that, but by all means, if anybody's listening to this that can tie me the Federal Reserve to the Fair Isaac business, that'd be kind of cool. But anyways, read about that. Read about Bill Fair. Uh, He's an interesting gentleman, and so is Earl Isaac, and their theories and their thought processes as to why we needed to have credit reports. And uh, uh, most of you probably listening to this don't really give any type of crap, but I think it's kind of interesting to learn random things. I kind of wish I had gone back to high school just to, like, listen in high school a little bit more about history. There's some uh, good things that uh, (laughs) we can learn by history. (sighs) Okay, so a couple of things I want to talk about today people who want to become financially free are going to dive in and they are going to start listening to all sorts of people and their opinions about becoming financially free. And I think there's little tidbits of information that can come out of each one of those, um, uh, experts, gurus per se, and their opinion on how to get financial freedom. You've got people who will say, Oh, financial freedom is investing in the stock market. Financial freedom is investing in real estate. The only way to make money is for flipping properties or, uh, getting a doctorate degree or a lawyer degree or you know a law degree, mm, I think some of it comes down to how smart you are with making your payments, how smart you are with saving money, um, and then investing correctly. You got to diversify. You've got to be smart there. And I'm I'm really excited because I have a lot of friends that are in multiple industries that I'm going to be able to pull in, and they're going to be able to talk to us about their opinion on investing. And my advice to you is going to be take what you want out of those meetings and do what's best for you. I personally feel like a lot of uh, income can be gained by by being in the real estate industry. And just because I don't really know that there's many appreciating assets. If you look at real estate in itself, it's constantly on a trend up. Sure, it could have its downs, but you still have something tangible sitting there that as long as you take care of it, it's it's there to stay. So I'm going to pick on one particular guru for a minute. I'm not going to name any names because I have no intention of getting sued. But uh, I have studied his practices just a little bit. I don't study a lot because I don't. I, I agree with about 10% of what he teaches. The one piece that uh, multiple, multiple investment people will say to you and financial advisors, uh, any type of any type of person that has succeeded, there's a nest egg. They have a nest egg stuffed away. And in my opinion, I'm going to tell you because I feel like that we're at the basic level. I'm hoping that I've targeted, you know, 18 year olds here. But um, 
you've got to have enough money sitting in some sort of a savings account or even a jar under your bed. I don't care to be able to pay for a root canal. Those are about a thousand bucks, maybe even more now. I don't know. And put a new set of tires on. That's, that's super critical right now. If you don't have the ability to pay for a new set of tires, you can't get your car to work and you got to be able to work right now while you're trying to get everything established. That is probably the one and only thing that I will agree with at the beginning part of establishing uh, an adult footprint. Stash some money. I personally think you need to have between 1000 to 2000 And if you can stretch that over a six-month to one-year period of time and just get that dumped into your bank account and you don't touch it, you don't touch it. Give yourself some rules. I will only touch that savings account if I need a root canal or I need new tires for my car. Create yourself some boundaries there. Um, you can't just live on cash. You have to establish a credit report. It's it's required. Like you, we don't live in a world where you can live in a cashless or cash only world. It's just not. It's just not realistic. Your car insurance is affected by this. Your ability to get into a rental is affected by this. Your ability to have it, a car that's dependable and getting a loan on that is, is contingent on you having credit scores. Uh, cell phone bills are tied to your ability to have a credit report. And it, it's just, it's critical. And that's why I'm teaching you have credit and be responsible, have credit, do it the right way and utilize your credit for its right purpose. So let's talk about, um, if you are just joining me because you wanted to watch this on a video, you've got to go back to some of the previous podcasts that I did that aren't on any type of video. It's all audio and you need to go to episode three, four, and six. They're the ones that are going to teach you how to get your non-traditional credit set up, your traditional credit set up, and then, um, installment loans. And it's critical to have all of that. Uh, talking about credit cards and installment loans just a little bit today, let's. I'm going to utilize my oldest son. When he was gone serving uh, our church on a mission, we established him a line of credit. And while he was gone, he used that credit card when he needed it. And then I just made sure it was paid every month or whenever there was balance, I got it paid off. So in the two-year period of time that he was out, we were establishing his credit scores and he had a really good credit line. And when he came home, it, it was just time for him to buy a car. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him to the bank and we're going to figure this out. What I found interesting is he was denied credit. He, he wasn't able to get a credit report. and Or not a credit report, a, a credit line to be able to buy a car. And at first I was kind of frustrated. I'm thinking, why you have a line of credit? And then I had a little light bulb. A revolving line of credit, which is your credit card, doesn't necessarily have a balance. You're not necessarily required to make a payment every single month. Now, if you have a balance on it, you are. But if you just charge 100 bucks on it, pay it off, wait six months, charge 100 bucks on it, pay it off, wait six months, you don't have a monthly payment. And, and now I'm asking this creditor to give him a loan that requires him to faithfully make a monthly payment on, say, the fifth day of every month. And I could see them thinking, nah, revolving lines of credit are fine, but that, that's not going to show that you know how to make a monthly payment faithfully every single month. Rent payments are not really documented anywhere on a credit scene. So they're kind of garbage when it comes to buying a car. 
So what happens at that point? You got to get somebody to co-sign with you, somebody who has a credit score. Luckily for him, me as mom, I was willing to do that for him. And uh, it was required because I knew how to make sure that those monthly payments were paid. I didn't have a problem doing it because I was in a financial position that if he couldn't make that payment, I could to protect that credit score, my own credit score, because I'm co-signing with him. But also, um, I thought he's got to have an installment loan somewhere. And I was able to co-sign for him. And uh, we were able to make sure that that would pay, was paid every single month. And he wasn't, it wasn't a problem. He, he had knowledge to be able to make that payment on time and be responsible. And I was proud that the bank said, whoa, just a second, you're not ready for credit because I'm not sure you really know how to make a payment. I was proud that he said, hey, mom, can you help me? And then I was also proud when he got that thing paid off after a year and could now be able to be on his own foot forward with credit. Okay, so he has a, a revolving line of credit. He has an installment loan. He's been able to show credit worthiness to be able to do that. His next step is to buy a house. Now he's working towards that. So the, the many people that are going around the world saying we have to pay cash, we have to do cash. I think cash is good for a certain point. You have to have credit to be able to show you have the ability to obtain more credit. Unless you have $400,000 sitting around right now, you're never going to be able to buy a house. You have to be able to have a credit report of some sort to be able to show you are credit worthy, credit worthy to be able to buy a house. And um, now there are ways to be able to buy a house without having credit scores, but let's just get your credit scores. Um, I don't think that having just revolving lines of credit is appropriate. I don't think having just installment loans are appropriate. I think having a mortgage and installment loan and a revolving line of credit is really the best thing for you to have on your credit report. I have my own feeling about student loans. I think student loans have their place. We've talked about this on previous episodes. Um, be cautious with those student loans, okay? And I'm telling you that, like, I hope you can see me divvy, dig, digging into your soul. Be cautious with those student loans. They can get you in a lot of trouble really fast because all they do is say, yeah, you're in school, here's 10 grand. Hey, you're in school, here's five grand. And unless you've set yourself up on a budget, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. So for all of you that are listening to a few gurus that are saying, I have to have 20% down payment in my bank account to be able to buy a house. No, no. For those of you that are listening to a certain gentleman that's saying you have to have 50% down before you can buy a car, no. Maybe in certain situations. Maybe you're buying a, an older car that the bank says you have to have more than a, a you have to have a big down payment to be able to get that car just because the worth of the car isn't there and it's a depreciating asset. I want you guys to understand the importance of credit and being smart with it. Um, let's talk just a little bit about credit cards. My, uh, my ask for you is credit cards can get people in a lot of trouble. This is posted to YouTube if you know of anybody who has got themselves in credit card trouble, I would love to know your interpretation of that. Um, I've come into contact with a handful of people over the years that they have had credit trouble because they just swiped the card. 
right? I have this credit limit and I just swipe it, I just swipe it, I just swipe it. And it never gets declined. It always works. Everything's there. And it's only $25 a month. It's only $25 a month. And pretty soon, oh, it's only $50 a month because the balance is higher. Pretty soon they owe 10 grand on that credit card. Pretty soon they're paying $100 a month and 99 of that is going to interest and $1 is going to principal. That's, that's a pretty crappy way. And uh, then, well, all right, well, it's only a $100 payment, but now I've maxed out that card. I guess I'll get a new one. Don't do that. Don't do that. We're going to jump, uh, jump to a couple new topics uh, outside of the credit side of things over the next couple of weeks. I hope that as you've tuned in for the first and second time on video that you'll go back and you'll listen to the podcasts that I've got uh, that go through how to establish a proper credit line. Non-credit, non-traditional credit, which is I'm paying my rent payment, I'm paying my home insurance, I'm pay- or my car insurance, I'm paying my, um, my own cell phone bill. Traditional credit, which is my revolving line of credit, my secured line of credit. Uh, I've actually got a car loan or a motorbike loan. Um, Being smart with your student loans. Putting money into savings. Setting up a budget. All of those things have been talked about, and I task you with going back and listening to them. They're not on video. They're not on video. But uh, I task you with going back and listening to them. It's going to properly teach you how to get yourself lined up on the proper credit path. And it's critical to be on the proper credit path. Save for a rainy day. Definitely stay out of debt. Spend the money on your credit card that you already have in your bank account to pay it off. And uh, let's be smart. Now, uh, I'm going to leave you with a couple bits of advice. Go back through my list of podcasts with uh, what they're described as. Make sure you are on point with what you need to do to get yourself on the right path credit-wise. If you're not um, uppity up on that, by all means, shoot me a text, adultingunafraid at gmail.com, or email, email, adultingunafraid at gmail.com is my email. I watch it. I've responded to quite a few emails, questions, random things that people just, hey, what do you think about this? And I I, I would love to answer your questions. It's just me. You're just talking to me. I'm not that cool yet. But um, I, I task you with going back and listening to some of those episodes. If you do not feel like you're 100% spot on with what you want to do on credit, we're going to jump into the world of um, buying a house. And, and uh, well, we have, I guess we've, we've already kind of talked about that. But I'm going to bring in some speakers, some guests with me now. We're going to start talking about... Um, the tax benefits of having a home, the the need to invest in your four hundred one k, the need to uh, look at stocks and bonds, and and I just need you guys on the right path when it comes to credit, so that we can start opening the doors to other things. You've established credit, you know how to make your payments on time. You're looking towards uh, home ownership when it's right for you. Uh, you've got a car that's decent, that's getting you around. You've got a little bit of a job here. You're doing your thing. You're working on your school so that you can get a career. All those paths are lined up. You're lined up good. Now let's get you down the path of being able to invest some money. Let's get you down the path of being able to buy a home. Let's get you down the path of being able to have uh, your will set up just in case something happens to you. Let's get you down the path of having life insurance just in case something happens to you. There's some paths that you need to go on as an adult that we need to just get you educated and get you on the right path.
keep you on the same path that you need to be on to be successful. So with that being said, take some time, go read about the 1840s and when credit reports were there. Uh, look back into the 1950s when Mr. Bill Fair and uh, Fair Isaac uh, Company, or Earl Isaac, sorry, Earl Isaac and the Fair Isaac Company came about. Take 10 minutes, read about it, file it in your useless information, stash some money, get yourself a little bit of a nest egg, and uh, let's be prepared to be adults and not be afraid. 